This is Boy Meets World Fever, brought to you by Oahu Beach Face Savers. Unless someone real decides to sponsor us, I am your host, Cameron. I am your other host, Chance, and I feel like we kind of do have a sponsor today, brought to you by Zoom. Yes, grateful for Zoom. If you couldn't tell by hearing, I mean, I don't know, I haven't heard it yet, Chance and I are not in the same room. We are separate, socially distanced right now. We're just living our best life. Yeah, we're still pretty new to this audio setup, so we hope it's going well. We think it's going well. Yeah, we just had quite the um, excursion trying to get it set up, but it seems to be working. And as long as your ears aren't screaming in agony, listening to our voices, maybe we're successful. You know, Cameron, we kind of do have a real sponsor today, other than Zoom. We do? Yeah, um, an old friend from high school of mine, Terrace, T-R-R-I-S, Terrace, uh, bought us a second mic so we could record remotely better. Oh, that's true. Thank you so much, Terrace. Number one fan. So uh, I guess that was technically our first sponsorship. All right. This episode brought to you by Chance's high school friend, Terrace. Uh, He's a great guy. Uh, We hope to have him on a guest at some point. He grew up loving Boogie's World just like we did. So how have you been doing in all of uh, this time you've been up you know i almost don't want to answer that question because i feel really bad um i know a lot of people are struggling and a lot of people are having really hard times during this quarantine but this is the most stable my life has been in years (laughs) yeah um that makes me feel really bad um but like all my jobs i uh, for those of you who don't know i have three jobs and they used to all happen at different times and it was always really chaotic ever since quarantine they're all on a pretty set schedule that's really easy to manage. Um, I really don't think I've been this, like, consistently scheduled in years, like literal years. That's pretty nice. How are you, Cameron? Um, you know, I'm doing okay. Trying to uh, balance distance teaching uh, with my students, which is just so weird. Um, I had a coworker describe it as it kind of feels like you're in a boat trying to bail the water out, but all you have is like a teaspoon. And so you're just doing the best that you can, but it's like just so small compared to what normally you'd be able to do. So definitely feel that. And then also doing some distance learning myself with um, grad school. Yeah. I think I'm a person who learns a lot better in person, like going to a class and sitting and learning and engaging more than I do, uh, just on the internet. Yeah. Um, I did my last several years in college on the internet and it was definitely a learning experience. You had to get good at it. Mm-hmm. It's an acquired skill. Yeah, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. But other than that, spending a lot of time with my family and my new family, uh, my animal crossing villagers. <laughs> we have both been doing a lot of uh, <laughs> animal crossing time. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's a delight. It's been a great time. Yeah, I have a, uh, it, if you guys don't know, in Animal Crossing, you get a wand that can change your clothes. And I have an Eric Matthews style that I can change to with the press of a button. Good. I don't have anything that extravagant. I just can turn into a samurai and a wizard. And like, I, hate, I would love to be able to turn into a samurai or a wizard. But also, Eric Matthews. Very good. Um, this has been Animal Pod Sing our soft launch of our Animal Crossing podcast. Name pending, because that name is terrible. 
I am looking at Cameron so judgmentally right now. <laughs> but I'm saying it's good, worth it. Well, um, so this is our first time recording in about a month, so I hope we remember how to do it. So sure, but time will um, The initial four episodes are out, and the response, well, it hasn't been like universal. It's been way more than we could have ever imagined. Yeah. Um, we're approaching a thousand different downloads, which is huge for us. Mm-hmm. Did not ever expect that. Um, no, so we just want to thank all you guys listening. Uh, we still haven't gotten any emails or anything, so man, email us. Please, we would love but, to feature you in some way if you're listening. Yeah, we do have uh, one listener comment that we'll do it during Boys Meet Audience, but Ooh, I didn't other know. than that. Oh, exciting. I hope it's a good comment. Well, you, you saw the comment on Twitter as much as I did. I don't recall. Oh, well, well I'll read it. Don't worry. Okay. Cameron, what are we doing today? Well, today we are looking at two episodes, as pretty much always. Episode, is it 108, mm-hmm. Teacher's Bet, and then episode 109, Class Pre-Union. Um, so do you want to go yeah. ahead and give us a synopsis on Teacher's Bet? Um, Corey is learning about prejudice, I guess? We'll talk about exactly what Corey's learning about. But basically, he's reading the diary of Anne Frank, um, doesn't think that the history is relevant and Feeney challenges him. If it's not relevant, it should be easy to teach the class. He gives him the keys to the kingdom as it were. And they make a little side wager during the course of the episode. Corey realizes this may be more relevant than he thought. And he proceeds to try to teach that relevant to the rest of the students. Very good. Good job. Good synopsis. And you remembered how to do that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Um, so Cameron, mm-hmm. what was the first note you took in this scene? Corey and Sean and Minkus are in the cafeteria talking and Sean brings Corey a newspaper and says, here's an article about Barry Bonds. And they call him the $43 million man because that was what his contract was worth for uh, six years of playing baseball. He was going to be paid $43 million. And Minkus is like, that's insane. That's $7.16 million a year. And um, that's just not right that Mr. Feeney gets paid so little while Barry Bonds gets paid so much. So that's, that's the scene, and that's what I wrote down. I think that's a good synopsis of the scene. My first note is just that I feel like even though they're in it so little, Sean and Minkus have really good personalities in this. Mm-hmm. And they're like full on, hey, I love these guys. Yeah, they're definitely there. They're, they're present. They have personality. Yeah. Well, Minkus never doesn't have a personality because Minkus is always delightful, but Sean is definitely <laughs> Yeah, so it's good to see Sean in it. In both of these episodes, I did some inflation calculations because mm-hmm. I was curious if 40 a year was good pay for a teacher or bad pay for a teacher. So here's my results. In Philadelphia, the... Oh, let me, let me pull up my notes here. The current salary, average salary... For an elementary school teacher is about $63,000 a year. Uh, it can go as low as 42000 and as high as 75000 for an elementary school teacher, depending on your like certifications, edu- your education, your years. Um, so with that in mind, that 75000 is pretty high. If you account for inflation, the 40000 that Feeney was making during uh, 1993 is equivalent to about 71400 today. So he's definitely on the high end of teachers getting paid in Philadelphia. Which makes sense because uh, Philadelphia. he 
has been doing it a long time. Yeah, uh, 35, 35, 35 years ago. Typically, at least if I'm thinking of our pay scale, like it goes to about 30. And like 30 years is where you mm -hmm. max out on steps. So it would make sense that he's at the higher end. In Oklahoma, at least until a couple years ago, 40 was higher than a lot of teachers were being paid. 1993 good was Oklahoma. 2018 really bad. Just like super low. Which yeah. is the reason there were a lot of like the teacher walkouts and all those things. Just because there wasn't any, for like over 10 years, any sort of pay raises or adjustments for inflation while cost of living and insurance and things were rising. So definitely was feeling that as they were uh, talking through these things. Yeah. And I think the talk about, I mean, we aren't sports people. We've admitted we aren't sports people, but people playing a game, getting paid so much money to entertain people versus teachers is just kind of like flabbergasting when you really think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I looked up the, the current highest paid baseball player, and it makes Barry Bonds six-year contract look like a joke. You know, Mike Trout, center field of the, for the Angels, a 12-year contract at $426.5 million, number 37.7 million a year, which is just a few million short of what Bonds was paid for his six-year contract. Yeah, I, I did some calculations on uh, baseball players' salaries for the next episode. Oh, yes, because uh, we got some themes running through here. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it for our serious um, wage discussion, I think, for the episode. Yeah, but I think it's a, I definitely think it's a conversation worth having. I mean, obviously, because the show brings it up. It I'm glad it. that Feeney is a well-paid teacher in Philadelphia, even if maybe teachers in general should get paid more. Yeah, I think people, if Twitter's to be believed, when this whole quarantining started, people changed their minds pretty quick that teachers weren't being paid enough because <laughs> they had to try to teach their own kids. And they're like, uh, whatever you need to be paid is what we're going to give you. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. I think people are also like, there's no sports. What am I supposed to do? Like to pay attention to. So I think it provides a valuable service as well, even if it's not something that I personally go for. Yeah. Now the silliness uh, Feeney walks in and uses the water fountain again. Noob. <laughs> you Any it. real teacher knows you don't use the water fountain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's just that funny funny joke of like, Mr. Feeney is so predictable, and here's exactly what he's going to do. And then Mr. Feeney comes and does exactly that, and then talks to Corey, and then Corey answers in exactly the way Mr. Feeney was expecting him to. Um, he's just like, Mr. Matthews, you're so predictable. It just, it made me laugh, kind of the mirroring of the joke in that, where they both just think the other person's so predictable. And then what is the next scene? Is it the one in the uh, well, classroom where they get the assignment? Yes, but I got to say the intro, after having not watched the show for a month, intro is still bumping. It's still on the intro. I, I was at the point where I was just skipping the intro because it gives you that option. But this time I was like, no, I got to get me some of that it's just still very good. I'm not going to lie. I got home, had 45 minutes to watch both these episodes, and then I had a meeting, and then immediately after my meeting, we got on. So I skipped those intros. You're really missing out. You should go back and watch them. You just, hmm, they slapped me. I'll cue the beginning of it when, we, when I listen to our podcast. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but then it, it does go to their classroom where they are um, getting kind of the setup for the episode, and Mr. Feeney's like, we're going to be learning about prejudice, um, talking about slavery, talking about the Holocaust, or kind of the areas, which is kind of a broad, a broad lesson, I, I gotta say, to cover all of that. But, you know, 
Mr. Feeney does what he does. Yeah, my note here is prejudice seems like kind of a light word for slavery, for the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Um, We're in America, so we can, like, add in the Trail of Tears. Like, is prejudice the word you would use? I think in terms of the theme of what happens in the episode, maybe, or just like the things that Corey experiences, possibly. But I would think more just injustices is kind of a stronger word, or even just like flat out racism more than prejudice. I feel like prejudice is very soft. Yeah, I really feel like they were avoiding saying the word racism or genocide Mm -hmm. in this episode, which I mean, makes sense. That's an intense topic for sixth graders. But I mean, at the end of the day, Anne Frank is a book about someone trying to survive genocide mm-hmm. more than it is someone trying to decide pre- uh, escape prejudice. And I guess prejudice is an all-encompassing word that means that thing. Uh-huh. But I think in our modern society, if you were to call the Holocaust prejudice, you would be pretty quickly corrected, shot down by people who are like, that's not strong enough of a word. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess thinking, I know several times throughout the storied history of our podcast. I've used the joke like, well, it was the 90s for different things. But I think, I feel like the 90s, especially in white culture, was about like being colorblind. Like we're not going to talk about race. And that's how we're going to like get over it and get past it is like not to mention it. And so even in talking with these issues that are very much dealing about race and racial injustices and like genocide with the Holocaust and with slavery too, pretty much, it's like, we're just going to kind of talk softly about it and we kind of treat it gently with the word prejudice rather than calling it for what it is because we don't want to bring all of that up yeah you're probably right and it is a kid show but it is a kid show choosing to tackle this topic so i don't know how i feel about it this probably isn't a super fun conversation but then again we're literally talking about a kid show that was dealing with the themes of Anne frank mm-hmm which is probably something that no other kid show was doing at the time. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know if kid shows would really do that now. Um, so Corey finally knows what World War II is, apparently, so that's good. He doesn't know what the term prejudice means, though, because he says he's prejudiced against the food in the cafeteria, which isn't really what... It, I mean, he just thinks it means, like, doesn't like a person or doesn't like something to be prejudiced. And it's not quite... Uh, so that's not quite it. <laughs> um, no, but he I doesn't quite have it. Mr. Feeney hasn't taught them yet, so we'll let it slide. Yeah. Uh, I did take a note about after he tells that joke about being prejudiced to the food in the cafeteria. Uh, Topanga in front of him, which I have a note that just says, Topanga! <laughs> um, but Topanga in front of him laughs very hard at that joke. <laughs> That's surprising. So I feel like given Topanga's, the nature of her character, she would find that to be extremely immature or uh, something. I'm just saying, she likes him. Oh, that's true. I do have to say, this is like the shortest class ever. And Mr. Feeney's like, this week we're going to be learning about this. And so here are your books, bell rings. The class is over just like that. And he's like, oh, make sure that you read the first 30 pages of this book as everybody files out of the classroom. But it just seemed like they were just starting class. And then all of a sudden, class is over, which I know is TV magic, but still, it's just very interesting. Cameron, I have so many questions about how this class operates. Yeah. So many. Me too. For one, it seems like there's only four days in the entire week because they get the books, then Corey gets the, um, the teaching position, and then he says there's a test the day after tomorrow. So... That would imply, if the test is at the end of the week, that there's only four days in this week. Maybe it would. I'm trying to think. 
We've already had Halloween, so there's not really a uh, three, a four-day week because there's no federal holiday that they'd be out of school on a Monday. Yeah, I can't make it work. The math isn't there. And I guess we have to assume that they're hanging out in the cafeteria before school starts. So this is going to be their first class of the day, the first of Feeney's five classes. Mm -hmm. So is Mr. Feeney coming to class in those crazy get-ups and then changing after first period back into his normal clothes? Probably. I guess. He'd have to be, right? Yeah. And just having everyone put their desks back and clean up all the paper that was being thrown everywhere. Mm -hmm. It seems like Corey's teaching the entire class all day is what I'm trying to get at. It seems like just, I mean, he says it's the one day, but I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. There'll be plenty of time to pick apart Feeney's classroom management and teaching style. Oh, well, I'm just, I'm just talking about inconsistencies and in how this school is set up, kind of like at the end of Corey's Alternative Friends, where I don't understand any of how that timeline works. Mm-hmm. It's our job to make sense of the timeline, Chance. I didn't know it was, all, uh, it was our job to do it on this micro of a scale, but I'll take it. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't do that because we can't make all that work. That's no, no, we can't. My next n- note is that Corey's uh, five bucks a week adjusted for inflation is eight ninety three a week. Hey. So just in case you wanted to know. I was very curious. You did tell me you did a lot of inflation calculation. Yeah, it was funny when Corey was talking to Mr. Feeney saying like, the subjects don't change. Only thing that's different is the students and that's all you have to account for. And like, how hard could that be? And that just seemed really funny to me because like, of course, like that's the, the big difference, but I feel like there's always different things that are being expected of you as a teacher, new programs and new things you have to do. And 22 to 23 to 25 to 30 new kids if you're teaching middle school per hour, 30 kids that you're trying to learn how they learn best and try to meet them where they are and assess and do all of these things, like nothing about that is easy. But I guess that's the point is that Corey has no idea what he's talking about as per usual. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty clear that Corey has no idea what he's talking about because the subjects do change because you have to change to tailor them to the learning styles of individual students. And mm-hmm. There's a lot that changes about being a teacher. I don't just say that because you were a teacher. Mr. Feeney definitely does change things to reach some of his students. And I have to say his plan that he hatches in this episode to help Corey is so wild, like ridiculous. Hey kid, how about you teach the class for a week and I'll be the student and like, we'll just see what happens. We'll take the test at the end of the week and just see how it goes. It's just like, what? What in the world? And it just seems like so casual how he comes up with it. Just like Corey's talking, he's like, hey, here's an idea. How about we trade, trade places? Like who in their right mind would ever do that? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. You're not uh, letting any of your students teach your class? Not for a whole week. There might be times when it's like you learn about this and then do a presentation, but not like you get to do everything. And that's just crazy. Yeah, I can agree. Actually, I actually have a note here written that may be kind of opposite from the opposite side of you. But I said, my note is, maybe Feeney is a good teacher. And here's, here's my rationale for that. I feel like understanding how to teach difficult students is really the mark of a good teacher. Um, we've talked about how I was not a good student. I was rebellious. I didn't want to do my assignments. I didn't turn them in. And I had a sixth grade teacher, or maybe a fifth grade teacher. I'm pretty sure it was my fifth grade teacher now I'm thinking about it, who like would notice that I would really put in effort 
in things that I tried to figure out for myself. Mm -hmm. Basically, they sent one of these slips if you didn't do your assignment, so your parents could sign them, no, you didn't do your assignment, and then you'd bring them back to the teacher. Mm -hmm. And I would purposely get those and try to figure out ways to get around them. So like <laughs> having my parents sign something entirely different and then putting that signature on, on the slip. It's like I would wow. try to figure out ways to not get in trouble from those slips. And I had a teacher realize that. So she started giving me problems to work on instead of like the more basic assignments. And she really took an interest in me as like a problem solver yeah, and someone who maybe is a more creative thinker. And I still think about her to this day. Her name was Mrs. Daniels. And I still think of her to this day as one of my favorite teachers. She's also the teacher we had to get a certain number of AR points. Um, accelerated reader, I'm sure many of our listeners can relate. Mm -hmm. um, I, didn't, I liked to read, but I didn't like to read AR books because there were assignments. So she set me up to be able to write AR tests for the books I was reading. Mm -hmm. I did that too. Not because I didn't like to read. Well, I loved to read, but our school library was really small. And so the only books that we had at my reading level that I was like allowed to read at were um, Louis L'Amour Western novels. And I like read all of those and I'm like 10 years old. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to read now? So this was like when Harry Potter and stuff came out. So I read them and then would write the tests and get the points for writing the test. And then they'd put the point, the test in the system and other kids could take the test. I like that we have that experience in common, but for very different reasons. <laughs> Me, because I was just too good. You, because you were just a bad boy. Plus. Yeah, so I, I really appreciated Feeney kind of going out of his way and changing his plan mm -hmm. to help the student actually absorb the material. Yeah, I wrote down the note too. Maybe he is a good teacher. Like he's trying to reach Corey, trying something new and different. But it's also just like the most outrageous like ridiculous thing. Yes. So then we go to the next scene where Eric mm -hmm. brings home a new girl named Linda, who just seems a new girlfriend, new girlfriend, not girlfriend yet. It would seem I'm from the interaction with Morgan, but she seems really cool. Morgan. It's like, I forgot over the last month, just how amazing Morgan is. <laughs> yeah. I, I wrote down after the same Morgan MVP. She is the best in this scene. She's still a riot. She is. She's a riot. And Linda and her have a great interaction. Eric doesn't realize that Morgan is really working for him, not against him in this scene. Yeah. They have a good relationship. Yeah. Um, though a lot of the relationship that was present in uh, Grandma Was a Rolling Stone is not present here mm -hmm. between Morgan and Eric. But I mean, there's still, still something. Definitely not the, this is my brother Eric. He's very shy. Yeah, maybe maybe he really took losing his sunglasses to her personally, and they just haven't hung out as much. Yeah, maybe he fine-tuned the system, and she she still is working for him. Maybe it's part of his game to act like, oh no, this is embarrassing. Please don't. Crash. That, that's a good one. And Morgan has the joke: "Come on, it's getting cold. It's ice cream. Come on, it's getting warm." Which made me literally laugh out loud. Yes, it's so funny. Yes, but the best best joke of the whole show comes right after that is Corey's laying out the, the plan, which again is he's going to teach social studies for the rest of the week. And if he wins, he gets a fifth of Mr. Feeney's paycheck. If he loses, Mr. Feeney gets his bike. And he's like explaining to his dad how easy it's going to be. And he just says, 
The book does all the teaching, like Mr. Mr. Feeney's just Vanna White pointing at the letters. The book is the thing that does all the teaching. And that was just hilarious to me because it's so, so untrue, um, but still very funny. I do think that is a funny joke, but I, I get it from a kid's perspective, how they might think that. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, uh, especially a kid who isn't listening. Right. You don't realize all the behind the scenes stuff that's going on. But like, I'm thinking my, my social studies book that we use in our class it's terrible. It reduces the like American Revolution to about eight pages and doesn't talk about any of the events that take place. It's like, here's the things that the colonists had going for them. Here's the things that the British had going for them. Here's some stuff they had going against them on both sides. And that's kind of it. And then it's like, and then they won. And it doesn't really tell any of the history or anything that actually happened, which is what's so interesting about that time. And so I, I just don't like it. So there is like, no teaching that goes on out of that book. <laughs> so I hope my students don't think Mr. Liner just, the book does all the teaching because uh, it very much does not. Yeah, yeah, you teachers do do a lot. I did more math, which I don't do math all that often. It seems to me, if we're assuming Feeney gets 40000 and that's not an average, Corey's going to get about 153 bucks out of this deal, mm-hmm. plus some change. That's the math I did. I wonder if his bike is worth more than that. Hmm. It seems like a good bike. I'm curious how much that bike would be worth. I don't know. It was just an interesting thought I had. How much is Corey really going to get out of this? Yes. And so we cut to the next scene, and it's Corey's first day as teacher. Um, It really made me laugh when he's like, you can call me, hey, dude. And Did it make you laugh because you watched Nickelodeon in the early 90s? Hey, dude. Um, I mean, I forgot all about that show in the moment. I just think it's really funny. And like a trope of like, I'm going to be the cool teacher. You don't need to call me Mr. Whatever. You can call me like, dude. I remember there was an episode of Recess about that. Like this legendary cool kid came back as a substitute teacher all these years later. And like, they everyone called him dude. And it was it was just like tough for him to try to walk the line of like wanting to be liked by everybody and have fun with everybody, but still be their teacher, which we get into later in this episode. But I definitely thought of the theme song of the very early nineties, maybe even late eighties to early nineties, Nickelodeon show, Hey Dude. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful theme song that I have not heard in decades, but still remember to this day. (laughs) I, I remember the show, but I don't, I could sing the entire salute your shorts theme song. But I can't remember Hey Dude. If you did, if you were born in the late 80s, as we were, and you can't sing the entire Salute Your Shorts theme song, I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> you can send those angry tweets to Chance at his Twitter. You can look them up. Uh, there are no angry tweets because everyone knows I am correct. <laughs> and the Hey Dude show, the, the theme song for Hey Dude always ended with, Hey, dude. And it was great. Hey, dude. Mr. Hey, dude. Yeah, but there's just like some funny moments during this scene as Corey's coming in and making it his own, saying like the boys can wear hats. Don't know why if hats are not allowed in school, like so many boys just happen to have them on their person to take out in that moment. It's like hats are allowed. Are hats hats allowed in your school? Um, It's in the handbook that they're not. Um, And like no beanies or hoodies on i'm not really sure why i always talk with my class like i don't mind so if we're in class like if you want to have your hood up like that's cool because sometimes like a kid will get a haircut that they don't like or something like embarrassing and it's like well 
it's really not that big of a deal for you to have your hood up in class. Yeah, I think in the early 1900s, especially like approaching the 1950s, it was considered rude to have head covering inside for some reason. And that kind of just carried over into the, the boomer generation and like so on. I think that's, I think that's why it's considered rude mm -hmm. is why, because we weren't allowed to have hats when I was in grade school. Yeah. We weren't either, like all through school, like for anything. Or so he does that. Topanga asks if she could disregard the dress code entirely. <laughs> she has nothing, no problems with nudity. Okay. The thing she wears because of that disregard, I don't know why she couldn't wear that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not... I'm not sure. The one kid wears a cape, so obviously you can wear kind of some outlandish stuff. Some, drape, some drapey, flowy garments. There's nothing against that. I mean, you look at what Corey and Sean wear on any given day, and you got more loose fabric hanging on that than Topanga does. Yeah, but um, so she does that. I think Topanga is great. Uh, she's my, like, secondary MVP of this episode. Mm -hmm. I think she's awesome in the scene. Uh, he tells Minkus to get a life. That's his assignment. Mm-hmm. He tries. And, yeah, I really don't have much written about this. I really don't have much written about this scene other than that. I mean, I don't feel like much happened. Yeah, it really, it really starts to ramp up because then we have, like, the next class where all these changes that Corey's put into place take effect where, like, Topanga comes and she sits on a yoga cushion and is, like, meditating. And this scene made me think, okay, maybe I see why Topanga sits at the weird kid table. Where she's like, I'm channeling and I will only answer to the name or something, something along those lines. It's just like, okay, well, that's, that's weird. So are you saying Topanga is just too fierce for most of them? Um, I don't think fierce is the word. I would use, it, it's, it's strange. Um, yeah, it's definitely weird. Um, before that, we do get the scene where Corey tells his dad about his first day of teaching and his dad gets nervous thinking, oh, he's not really teaching this class. This is going to go real bad, and he's going to lose his bike. Mm -hmm. And his dad asks a question that I find very odd. Does Feeney grade on a curve? Uh -huh. Do grade schools grade on curves? Am I, I – we always just got the grade we got. Mm -hmm. That's what we always did. If, like, if I give a test and, like, everybody misses the same question, and I look at it and be like, okay, that question wasn't good, I'll just throw it out. But it's not like a, we're grading on a curve. Yeah, because the bell curve for grading is designed to weed people out. Because kind of the basis for public education, it wasn't a, this is something that's going to benefit everybody. It's this is going to benefit especially the wealthy. And so like that's where the idea of the bell curve came from. Where, like the people on the top end get pushed further on, while people at the bottom end get pushed away and eventually drop out and leave. It's like a bell curve in terms of grading is really like inequitable um it doesn't serve and, and if i'm correct if you're grading on a curve like a traditional curve and uh, now when, when you're in college people say they'll curve your grade basically like adding 20 points but if you're actually grading on a curve isn't everyone gonna not every like individual but isn't the result gonna be the same every time with the biggest clump in the middle the people who did the best furthest ahead and the people who did the worst furthest back mm -hmm. like but since you base it on student performance instead of actual points earned, if he's grading on a curve, isn't it going to be a tie no matter what at the end? Or am I misunderstanding how grading on a curve works? I don't really know because I, I mean, I don't do it. And all I can remember um, from like 
college was like grading on a curve. If the highest grade is a 93, that means they now have a hundred and everybody else's grades move up like those seven points as well. Like everything just shifts over on a curve, which isn't exactly what that means. Yeah, that's, that's what curving a grade always meant in college. Yeah. But I don't think that's not how I understood a curve. Like Mm -hmm. the grade that most people got automatically became a C and then you know, the people who did better and the people who did worse yeah. filled out that line. But I might be wrong about what grading on a curve is. I was just curious. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really not sure how exactly that works, I guess. It, it doesn't really matter. It's way too complicated of a grading system for sixth grade. Uh-huh. Sixth grade, it's just like you get what you get. And if everybody does bad, maybe we'll uh, throw some stuff out and bump people's grades up because something was off. I do have to say, I know you already said Morgan MVP, but in the next scene... When Mr. Feeney walks in and he's all decked out in like the Phillies jersey with the backwards hat or the forwards hat. And um, he's just like, I was just chilling with my homies and all this stuff. Like, it's just so funny and just so out of his character to act that way that maybe he's MVP for this episode. Oh, I, I knew you were going to, I knew you were going to try to get this by me. I knew. <laughs> him wearing a meatloaf sweater in the final scene with him is pretty pretty MVP worthy. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Morgan is pretty great. We're about to get into some more good Morgan stuff. Yeah. But all of, all of this, thinking about the teacher's bet, and I don't know if I can answer this question as much as you could, but if you, as a student, were to have a teacher's bet where you were going to teach a class for a week for the teacher, what subject would you want to do the teaching for? Ooh, that's a good question probably hmm. I think the answer is different now than it would have been in the past my favorite subject in school has always been history always but I don't think I would have taught history or social studies because I felt like feel like that would have been too much effort when I was a kid and effort was the thing I hated the most I am pretty sure I would have taught math because I was really good at it for no reason. Mm -hmm. I would have been a terrible math teacher. Don't get me wrong. I tried to be a math tutor second year of college. It was one of the worst things I could have ever done because I am one of those people that just understands a math problem when it is given to me. Mm -hmm. And one of my very first people I tutored, who was was also a friend of mine, like he came down and he asked me how to do a problem and I showed him how to do the problem. And he goes, why do I do the problem that way? And I was like, "What? what? What do you mean? Why do you do the problem that way? It's math. You do the problem that way. And he was like, well, but I don't understand why. And it was the most flummoxed I have ever been. And I realized, oh, people learn math differently. (laughs) But I would have gotten up there. I would have written down how to do all the problems. And then I would have been like, okay, now do what I did. I wouldn't have taught, but I think it's what I would have done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think looking at it now, yeah, something like social studies or even science would be really fun just because they are like pure content. Like it's just something interesting and something maybe hands-on that you get to do and you get to be a part of. Um, Like I remember in fifth grade, we did where we all took a different science concept and like learned about it. And we had a partner and then like taught the class basically. We did like a little presentation and like I learned about tsunamis and it's like the most I remember from fifth grade science was all the stuff that I learned to teach about tsunamis. So maybe something like science would be what I would teach, which is funny. Definitely history now, especially if it was world history. That would be so much fun for me now. All right. And so then we get to kind of the tipping point of the episode where Eric and Linda come home. 
like Corey's on the couch reading and they come home and Linda's crying because someone had called her a name at the mall. Some sort of, um, we haven't said it, but Linda is, I guess, Japanese. Yeah, she's definitely Asian of some sort. Um, she looked very American Asian, so probably. Yeah, I mean, she brought Morgan like a Japanese lantern, which is why I say that. Yeah, so um, I think we were supposed to believe she is Japanese. Um, so we, you can probably guess what word she was called. I don't want to say it. Yeah, but she was called something at the mall. And like Corey's having this realization like, what, this happened today? Because this whole thing throughout the episode has been prejudice is something that happened a long time ago. Like it's not something that we have now. Um, not something we have to worry about. Um, and he's like realizing like this was at our mall, like in our neighborhood where we live today. Um, like what? what? What's going on now? Because um, again, in his world, like he's not a minority. He's upper middle class. Doesn't have to experience those things in his life. And he's just kind of encountering them for the first time. And it's kind of rocking his world a little bit to realize this is real. This is something that's going on. Yeah. He has he is, he is a certain amount of privilege that he doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. For sure. I know privilege is a really charged word right now, but well, I, mean, it's, I think it's the best word to describe it. Yeah, it's definitely true. Um, so there's that. Morgan had a great moment of trying to empathize, though. As like Linda's crying and she was like, well, a boy at school called me a poo-poo head. Yeah, that's the <laughs> moment what I wrote. It's like, I understand where you're coming from, um, which is maybe the most empathy we see from any character in this show up to this point. I was just trying to relate. And it came from five and a half year old Morgan. Yeah, don't jump ahead. We can't, we can't give the timeline part I'm away. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, I wrote, that's the moment I wrote Morgan MVP for sure. Mm-hmm. is when she said that because you're right she's trying to empathize she's trying to make her feel better and Corey's just like oh my world is so rocked um i think Corey does something good with it but at the time he's definitely making it more about him than it is about her yeah he's like what i feel so crazy about this not like are you okay which i mean what do you expect from an 11 year old boy yeah. i mean they're pretty, i'm not they're pretty against Corey for this yeah i mean i think most 11 year olds are fairly focused on themselves. Yeah. So, so uh, Corey comes into the classroom the next day, decked out in a suit. Mm-hmm. Sean uh, made me laugh by going, Mr. GQ. <laughs> hey, man, a suit. Not cool. Yeah, uh, I love Dominguez's nice wins or not. Did your mom tie it for you? Which <laughs> is a great adult bird, not a great kid bird. Yeah. <laughs> And this is when Feeney is wearing the red hat. I'm pretty sure he has a do-rag under it and a meatloaf shirt, which the idea of Feeney listening to meatloaf is one of the things that makes me the happiest in this entire show. I could believe it. I could see it happening. I wanted to know everything about that meatloaf sweater. We won't get into it. But, like, where did he get it? Yeah, this scene, this scene is in the show the second time that I teared up, <clears throat> if we're keeping a running total. This is tier count number two. Like just this whole scene of like Corey trying to talk about this and nobody listening and then like walking out and then realizing like, I'm going to turn this around and people starting to listen and kind of having a conversation. Even if it's like only vaguely something, it's still, I think, a touching scene overall. Yeah. Uh, If there is a Boy Meets World Fever drinking game out there, take a drink every time Cameron tears up, the chance doesn't. Um, It should be any time that I tear up. Yeah, I don't really tear up. It's true. You can also take a drink every time we say Carrie Russell, but you will die during episode four, but not so much after episode four. Yeah, you'd have to Uh, right now. That's about it. Yeah, you got to do it now. But yeah, let's let's get a drinking game going. Let's do it. <laughs> so there you go. You probably won't die, though. 
from me. Um, okay, so I have meant to do this next part probably the entire time I've known Boy Meets World, and I never have actually done it. So I studied the word WAP. Uh-huh. Did you do this also? I did not. I just said using a racial slur in class is probably not the best strategy. It's true. Strategy. So I've always wanted to know what it meant. Um, and apparently it is a racial slur for Italian immigrants. Um, it's got kind of a storied history in America. But basically there were all these slurs for Italian immigrants. And people have tried to justify the the term over the years is like an acceptable term as, they, um, as saying like oh they were just saying that they came over here illegally without papers so mm-hmm. like a WAP but actually papers weren't required to immigrate uh, to the United States until 1924 and the term WAP like far predates that that date I guess mm-hmm. and. Uh, people have also said it just means working on the pavement because Italian immigrants came here and they got a lot of construction jobs. But again, far predates the use of acronyms in America, far predates anything. Um, It's just a bad thing to call. Anytime you're going to use a term to kind of blanket call someone that. Yeah. Not good. So he calls Sean that. You're right. (laughs) Doing that in class. Probably never good. I mean, Sean was gets his attention. Head off, right? Sean said he was going to rip his head off. So yeah, but it it got the point across, I guess. I mean, maybe that moment wasn't great, but some of Corey's other instincts were really good. Just like connecting the history with present day kind of things going on right now, making connections, building background. Really did a good job there, being a teacher. So good job, Corey. Best teacher we've seen so far. <laughs> Best teacher we've seen so far. Yeah, I think there's a really good scene reading that powerful last line from Anne Frank is always going to get a reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, the line where he says it's not good that just one person jumps up. Like, we all have to yeah. jump. If, if we here at Boy Meets World Fever are going to advocate for anyone, it is that, or anything, it is that concept that when something bad is happening to someone, everyone should jump up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not just the person being affected by it. Um, there's, a, there's a moment in this scene that I really love for really small reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Corey says Anne Frank was a victim of anti-Semitism and Feeney corrects him anti-Semitism and Corey accepts the correction and says, thank you. <laughs> that, it's such a small moment, but it demonstrates the change that Corey has over has gone over in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like just perfectly like, He's accepting the instruction of his teacher. Like something else like, I don't know. What? Like something else I don't know. Yeah. He he's like accepting it. Um, he's learning from it. So I, I, I don't know. I just have it written down. Like I really love that moment. Yeah, it's really good. Just a good, a good character development for Corey. But after that, we do have here kind of some more holes poked in Feeney's teaching. I think just when he says like, you know, some students are going to fail and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, really? Like, nothing? Like, students are just going to fail and you're going to be okay with it. Um, And he also violates FERPA again, saying, like, here's Sean's grade. Like, here's his test paper for you to look at. Maybe we can give Feeney a pass on FERPA just this once, because technically, Corey was the teacher. Uh, I don't know. And then, does Mr. Feeney have some sort of intestinal issue or, like, an ulcer, perhaps, when he's like, you get used to the uh, lack of respect and unruly students and minuscule pay, 
would you like a Rolade? Like, do you, like, does he have some sort of something going on because of all this stuff that he has to put up with? That's a good question. I don't Probably. Know. 35 years, wouldn't you? Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, he does violate FERPA again, which is not something I wrote down, but I should have. But it's a, it's a pretty good scene. And even though we're trying not to do a lot of future knowledge, a very impactful one for Corey's future. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. And then there's the cheerleading scene with Betsy Randall and Linda. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cute. Bobo. I don't have anything to say about it. Bobo Skeeton Doton. Bobo. You got anything? I don't. I just said it was really, really long. That's all yeah, I Yeah, it was long. I looked up, Wonderful. tried to find if Betsy Randall was a cheerleader. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. It was very enjoyable. A little joke, but it was just like went on a long time. Yeah, I did find out Betsy Randall went to KU. That was kind of fun. Oh, rock chalk, rock chalk. But that's yeah, that's all I got. What are you, what are your what's your alternate title for this episode? Um, I thought boy, I said boy meets prejudice, but I think our discussion of it makes me think maybe not because it's really still not quite there. But then maybe like boy meets teaching. Yeah, um, I have one that I want to call it like boy meets heavy topics. <laughs> <laughs> so that may be a little too too much um i like boy meets teaching especially for the future illusion of it uh-huh. he gets the bug timeline real quick uh, it's just that morgan's five and a half uh-huh. it's the only new information in this episode i think right right that's all i wrote down just like morgan is five and a half um, what, what, what is your rating i still rated this one pretty high just because i think it wasn't quite as funny though there were definitely some good jokes and I liked the way that how the um, both the A plot and the B plot kind of wove together. Um, it kind of it wasn't just like here's this separate thing going on, but it's like they worked together. So I ended up giving it an eight and a half, just because I, I think it worked really well. Uh, yeah, I gave it a seven and a half. I can definitely see the eight and a half. I think it does a good job with the topics it um, approaches, even if it maybe doesn't have the courage to fully like name those topics and kind of get into the the minutia of them, but it's a kid's show. So what can you really expect? Mm-hmm. But I still think it does a really good job. Yeah. I just like it. There's maybe not enough funny for me to rate it much higher, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's seven and a half. All right. So that puts it at an average of eight. Yeah. So an average of eight, we've done timeline. We've done scores. Given all our scores. Scores. MVP is Morgan, do we think? Or Feeney? So. I'll, I'll give you Morgan on this one. Okay, Morgan on this one. And now we're going to move on. And we've got a transition now, so we know that that's going to happen. Uh-huh. So we're moving on. This is ep- the next episode, 109. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we are back with episode 109, Class Reunion. Cameron, why don't you go ahead and summarize this episode for us? All right, so this episode, um, the students get an assignment. Rather than focusing on the past and on history, Mr. Feeney has them look towards the future and imagine they're coming back for their 20th class reunion. Um, They're going to need to talk about all the things that they've done with their lives, sort of what they've created and, and gone on to do. Um, and so through the episode, they're thinking about their future and kind of what it really means to to grow up a little bit. Yep, I think that's a great summary. It starts out with 
Corey making his own episode of 60 Minutes, which is definitely not a thing I ever did as a kid. Yeah. The plight of the middle child, which neither of us are middle children, so we can't really relate. I am sort of a middle child. You're an only child. Yeah, so I am the oldest, the youngest, and the middle. I, I don't think it quite... <laughs> It doesn't don't think it quite works that way. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine, fine, fine. Way there, treat. Um, but yeah, the plight of a middle child. Uh, Morgan has a great, sorry, everybody hates you. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was very cute. Um, Topanga is in this episode as well. I don't know if she's a fixture for the rest of the uh, show, but yeah, I am here for it if she fun. is. Um I did realize halfway through the last one, I didn't voice it, but I'm going to voice it now. You and I lied in an earlier episode when we said the next time we saw Topanga, we were going to react in a very certain way. Oh, right. (gasps) Topanga. That's easier to do in person than it is over Zoom. But there we go. Mm -hmm. Corey learned nothing from last episode. Absolutely nothing. He's still cutting up. Which I find is how it goes. You can, like, if you have a rowdy student and you find, feel like you have a heart-to-heart with them and an understanding, it can pretty quickly go back to the way that it was. Um, just because it's easy to uh, do. So. Yeah, but this discussion is almost verbatim what he learned last episode. Mm-hmm. But I gotta say, a class debate plus costumes, like when they're debating about the American Revolution, wearing costumes, is very good. It's very delightful. Have you done that? I've not done that. But maybe I'll have to steal that one from Mr. Feeney. How quickly Feeney changes the topic in the assignment. Mm -hmm. It's kind of bonkers, isn't it? It very much is. And we'll get to that. I have some thoughts later on based on some things that he says. I'll just bring them up right now. Because I wrote, like, this is the second episode in a row where Feeney comes up with a large assignment or a plan kind of on the spot because in the last last episode where he's like here's an idea let's switch places and then here Corey says one offhand remark and he's like okay well here's an idea let's do this big grand assignment where you are going to be imagining your future selves in 27 years like reuniting I I was just agreeing with you it's 27 years um yeah, and so it's just, it's crazy to me that he's doing that. There's a later comment that he makes where he says, like, this is always a, like, a fun assignment. Many students on this assignment don't do quite as well. And so maybe he has typically does this, but it just seems so on the spot to come up with this big grand scheme. But I still have qualms with the assignment. Okay, yes, but there are moments later in the episode, and in this episode of us talking, where I will take more umbrage with this assignment. But yeah. for now, I'm just saying it seems like it's spur of the moment. Later, it seems like maybe it wasn't actually. He was just waiting for the right moment to present it. Eh, it's still- going from the revolution to, to this assignment, I don't know that that will ever make a lot of sense to me. That's going to, people break their necks trying to flip from one to the other doing that. Yeah. Not that it's a bad assignment, just. Yeah, it is very funny when Minkus is like, can we bring our, our wives or our spouses to the pre-union. And there's like, who who would that be? And he's like, Topanga. <laughs> yeah, this is the beginning of the Minkus crush on Topanga. I don't feel like we get that very much in no. earlier episodes. Yeah, 
Tub. Yes. That will be with us through the rest of the season. Yeah, the rest of the season for sure. It comes back. Yeah. It's also, mm, yeah, I'll bring this up now. So I recently, well, recently, I, I was today years old when I realized that the reunion for this episode takes place this year in That's 2020. I wrote that down too, because I watched it today and I was like, what? This is class of 2000, 20 year reunion? That's this year. They'd be like right now, but I guess it might not be happening. <laughs> yeah. It's probably- yeah, it's probably not happening this year. We'll get to that later. Much, much later. But I'm meaning yeah, literally so- this time in the world. If it was going to be happening in like May, probably was canceled. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Their reunion was definitely canceled because of COVID-19. Sorry. So for that. awkward. So yeah, I wrote that down. I thought that was a lot of fun that it was happening this year. Um, they are officially the class of 2000, mm-hmm. uh, which means most of them were born in 82. We'll get to that in timeline. And I love that Minkus, we've brought this up a few times. I love that he is the confident nerd in this scene. Mm-hmm. He isn't the meek nerd or the one who can be walked over. He's like, he wants the girl. He doesn't meekly have crushes on her. He's like, I've seen the future. And it's me and you. <laughs> and it's not like a weird like screech and Lisa I know I keep going back to Saved by the Bell but I feel like it's a good thing to compare it to in terms of nerd speak but it's just so very different from that kind of dynamic of screech and Lisa where the whole time Lisa's just like ew gross get away from me Ugh. and screech is just like the worst and really annoying yeah she she appreciates his confidence for sure mm-hmm. she really does yeah, so in the next scene we learn the name of one of the kind of side characters. His name's Larry. Yeah, yeah. Larry Williams. Yeah, he was yeah, yeah in the Sandlot. Uh, we've talked about him before, but didn't know his character name. But they refer to him as Larry. Um, yep, and later as Mr. Williams. Mm-hmm. So his name is Larry Williams. Yes, it's his line, though, where he's just like, imitation is the sincerest form of butt kissing. <laughs> it's just really funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Whatever so- happened to Larry? Why, why did he go away? He went to go play baseball. In a, it's true. It's all true. Three of them. He's the one who became the baseball player. We do get it revealed. So, yeah. Corey is not what? sporty. We get it revealed here that Corey is not really that good at sports. Because they're like, you had 31 errors last season in baseball, which I guess is a lot. But I don't know. Seems like a lot. Yeah, I have no idea if that's bad, average. I have no clue. So let us know. Tweet at us. Email us if you know. I know I'm have, not 100% sure what an error is. We have one friend who's been following the show pretty closely that I think could tell us if 31 errors is a lot. Yeah. Tell us what an error is and how one gets one. Mm-hmm. And if 31 is a bunch in a season, it, it, they make it seem like it is. So there is all that. Um, so the yeah, yeah is going as Mr. Feeney to kiss butt. And Sean is going as a tire salesman which we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And so then we go to the scene. At the very beginning, they were going to a birthday party, uh, Morgan and her parents, for one of Morgan's friends. And she had on her mother's gold necklace. And then she comes in and she doesn't have the gold necklace. She has like this plastic, almost like pony bead necklace, which pony beads are just the little round beads. Um, and so like a necklace basically made of those and was like, I traded your necklace like for this, cause this one's prettier. 
and then she's like her mom her mom is like we need to get it we're get it traded back it's gonna be fine she's like boys said black black no trades back and then amy calls the mom on the phone like i know we need to make this switch and trade it back she's like what do you mean black black no trades back <laughs> and it's just like this funny funny little little scene morgan again yeah yeah i i took note of that too but i also took note this is amy's fault what was she thinking uh-huh or yeah, if you're gonna give her that, why aren't you watching her like a hawk? You know, absolutely. Or you know, you had to pick her up from from the party or see her at some point. Yeah. Why are you just now finding out about this days later? Yeah. So then we cut ahead, and we are at the pre-union. Minkus really has it all together. He's like bought Microsoft and just got he took over Microsoft. Took over Microsoft. Well, I'm guessing it was a, was it a hostile takeover? I don't know. Probably if it was Minkus. Probably if it was Minkus. So that just means he bought a majority shareholding. Which Yeah, he has taken over Microsoft. He and Topanga are celebrating the birth of another child. Rainbow, Rainbow Einstein Minkus. <laughs> it's a very good name. Uh, I'm, I'm going to steal it for my first child. Mm-hmm. You should. I wish I would have remembered for my children. Sorry, Noel. Uh Topanga is again great in this scene. I will spoil, I don't have her as MVP but I love both of her scenes a great deal. Uh-huh. Uh, her kind of queen of the country, there is no more war mm-hmm. or nuclear weapons. He wants the position now that the military has been dissolved and we've gotten rid of nuclear weapons and all the men have and been things, underground. Yeah, things are peaceful because all the men have been moved underground and are just used for breeding. Um, and then the, ex- the hilarious exchange, we're married, your You're breeding breed- stock. I'll take it. <laughs> okay, so question. If you were to be doing your class pre-union when you were in the sixth grade, what would you have said you wanted to be? Um, my mom likes to tell this story. Oh, this is a buildup, by the way. Ooh, my mom likes to tell this story how when I was in kindergarten, I was obsessed with the movie Aladdin. and A wizard, a sorcerer. No, no, I wanted to be a thief like Aladdin. And then I played Final Fantasy 3, which was Final Fantasy 6, really, but 3 here in America. Uh-huh. And my favorite character was a thief named Locke. So I was, between like 5 and 9, I was very obsessed with being a thief. It was what I wanted more than anything in the world. And when people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say that I want to be a thief. Yeah, so... Actually. That was early on in my life. I think when I was in sixth grade, I wanted to be a journalist. Cool, cool. I wanted to be an architect for a very long time. Um, I don't. Well, know, I didn't know that about you. I don't know why it didn't happen, but it's cool. I'm over it. I am also over not being a journalist or a thief. Well, I don't know that I'm a hundred percent over that one. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're not a thief. No, that is. I thought it was a cool Final Fantasy thief. <laughs> sure. They're, they're usually nice guys. They got a heart of gold. Like a Han Solo. So he wasn't a thief. He was a smuggler. But uh, Same difference. It's a good archetype. The, the smuggler or thief with a heart of gold. So I'd, I'd give Man. you that one. But I wanted to be an art. I really hope no like major crazy Star Wars fan is listening and heard me say same difference, a smuggler and a thief, because we will get endless tweets about it. Hey, maybe that's just the kind of publicity we need. <laughs> I hope they did. Um, 
and then we get the reveal of Sean's gut, I guess, because <laughs> his dad fat, his dad's fat, his uncle fat, his grandpa's fat. Let's face it, Cor, he's gonna be fat. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so funny to me. Yeah, it's very funny. And uh, Ryder Strong is not fat to this day, so yeah. he beat the odds, I guess. Good job, Ryder. Good job, Ryder Strong. Talk to us about your workout routine. I could use one. Um, then we get Larry Williams' presentation, which uh-huh. Feeney is harsh on this kid, uh-huh. as he probably should be. Get over here, you little kiss-up. Or you suck-up. <laughs> which, I thought Feeney liked suck-ups. I'm just saying. I'm getting mixed signals. Here. to do it, so, yeah. It's just so funny. Like, do you know what this is? I can look it up. Do you know what a curriculum is? I can look it up. Oh, get out of here, you poser. Go look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I love that scene. It's pretty great. Though, he's harder on our next person who presents Corey. I thought did a good job. But at the same time, I do have to say, he said he, he he played baseball. He was a center fielder for the Phillies. But he said he started playing his jun- after his junior year of high school, which means he would have been playing baseball for 21 years at that point. And I'm curious if that is normal to play baseball for that long. I, I think know. it is. I know that baseball, you have to get into the minors pretty early. I don't know why I have this information in my head, but I do. I know more about the process of being recruited to the major leagues than I actually do baseball itself <laughs> for some reason. But especially in the 90s, they didn't really recruit out of colleges like football and basketball do. You had to go to the minor leagues pretty early if you wanted a good long career mm-hmm. uh, in the sport. Like I said, you had to play in the minor leagues. I've, this has gotten better from what I understand. Now they're recruiting a lot more out of colleges. But it was almost a detriment in like the 80s and 90s to go to college as a ball player. like because you would spend so much time in the minors working so hard to get noticed to hopefully get moved up to the majors. And you didn't want to only have a few years of youth left in you when you got to the majors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess Corey did it the right way for the time. Maybe. But he couldn't explain why he did it the right way. Right. True. But here's where I start to take issue with this assignment. Because Mr. Feeney is super harsh on Corey after really praising Minkus for Minkus doing what I think feels very over the top in terms of like, here's all my loan documents and all the, everything just like kind of ridiculous stuff to come up with. But how did they not know how the assignment was going to be graded? That doesn't make any sense. If you're providing an assignment, you need some sort of rubric or something like, here's what I'm looking for. Here's the things you're required to do and to provide. And like, as he and his mom are working on it, and making it, they're like, this is so great. And he's going to just love all of this stuff that we're doing. Um, And then in the moment, he's like, well, why didn't you think about this? Why didn't you think about this? Why didn't you think about this or this? And it's like, he's 11, one, two, why didn't you tell him to think about those things? And maybe he would have. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wrote down too. I said, what if Feeney expected so much, why were the parameters not set? And Topanga says what she does as president, but she doesn't say, how she got there. Mm-hmm. She doesn't say how she won the election, the legislation she pushed, pushed through to get all the stuff done. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are different parameters per kid. I, or maybe Topanga didn't do very good on this assignment. I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. But 
It doesn't look good for Mr. Feeney. It looks bad on him. No, I did. This is my second inflation calculation. And Feeney is right. Uh, Corey saying pulling down six mil a year uh, in 2019, because we don't have 2020 baseball season statistics, your average player, your average player got, let me look here. Where are my statistics? Sorry. Okay. So in 1990, in 1993, the inflation of six mil would mean he'd be pulling in about the equivalent of 3.4 million a year. So he would be in, you know, in 2003 money, that six million was a lot more than in 2020 money. So he would be pulling about the equivalent of 3.4 million a year, which the average is 4.3 million a year in 2019. So he would actually be a fairly underpaid player. Mm -hmm. Um, But average in 1993 was a million. So he would be getting about six times the average then. So Mr. Feeney was right. He is getting paid less than your average player. He didn't figure inflation into his figures. I mean, we even said earlier in this episode, the highest paid baseball player of this year is $37.7 million a year. Yep. Which is... And well, your average is, uh, well, really, if you round, $4.4 million a year. So... Uh-huh. so Feeney's right, but also yes. wrong in his expectations right now. But yeah, I agree. Corey can't be the only one in that class who did a bad job. Or Corey and Larry Williams. Yeah. And, yeah, well, yeah, like you said, there's no parameters set Hmm. you got to you got to how do you know if you did good or not but then i think Corey's dad has really good advice for him when he's like he's like my future is incomplete i got an eye on my assignment and his dad's just like the future is always incomplete like that's what the future is it isn't certain and it's not about having it all figured out it's just about working hard and doing what like you need to do and like sometimes your dreams don't become a reality but you get new dreams and better dreams yeah i like the uh the statement when your future is complete it's called the past mm-hmm. good job i man. thought i wrote that down i thought that was really good an interesting thought i had while doing this because the rest of this is about Corey chasing his dreams of being a professional athlete mm-hmm. what if that had just been the show what if this became like a high school baseball show mm-hmm. yeah i don't think it would have been as uh good no no so it's just funny that this is where this episode goes when, spoiler alert, it just has so little to do with anything that comes after it. But we'll get to that because before we get there, we get the wrap up of kind of the B plot of the episode with Morgan and the necklace where the mom and the girl come over and the mom is the worst, like the worst person we've met in this Maybe show. equal with snooty British smart lady. I don't know. Because just something about this lady just really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morgan and her mom have a great plan, though. Uh-huh. That was cute. <laughs> yeah, to get it back where they, she's like, I'll trade you for, for it. I'll trade you for this. I'll trade you for that. I mean, it's just really funny. And the callback of the line of, it's not the value of the car. It's Morgan's attachment to it. Because uh-huh. that's what the mom says. It's not the value of the gold necklace. It's the attachment my daughter has to it. That's why I'm not giving it back to you. Which is just like so, ugh, so terrible. Especially when you find out they're like super rich. Like her husband's a very successful attorney and all of these things. And she doesn't have to work and just seems very. Cameron, you've got to do it right. 
I don't have to work. My husband. What even is a bat boy? Is that their other daughter? Ooh, maybe. Maybe so. <laughs> what I do like that you can identify all the snooty people in Philadelphia by having that accent. Mm-hmm. What even what happened to the Mercator projection map? I really loved that prize. <laughs> oh, the organs. Yeah. It's the same person, same family. And Copra. Copra. What is Copra? <laughs> then Jim Abbott shows up yes. for the boys. That's the next scene. I do have to say, because Eric is talking on the phone, and he says, she had me pinned up against the locker and kissed me. Is this just a thing that the Matthews brothers have happened to them a lot? Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Pinned up against the locker by Topanga and kissed, and now Eric is having the same situation. Must be just something about them. They're just irresistible in that way. And the line, I, for, I actually forgot about this conversation, um, but you're right. It is very, it's very true. Like, <laughs> it's such a callback to what happened to Corey. I don't think it was intentional. Mm-hmm. Probably not. And then the line, when Corey hangs up the phone up on him, he goes, I don't even know who that was. <laughs> just so funny. Yeah, but then like, it shows up. What what on earth? That's great. Um, <laughs> Jim Abbott, who is apparently a really big deal, threw a no hitter. We sort of know what that is after another episode. I guess we don't though, because it was very unclear. Though I did think, did I? I don't remember if I said this or not. I'm thinking the hit that happened was the Phillies got a hit that was going to end the game if they like scored or whatever, but it didn't end up happening, which is why they were upset. Yeah, it, it had to be something like that. Hit, and if it was a no hitter, it couldn't be the opposing team getting a hit. Yeah, now, our baseball friend, if we have one, please tell us when a no hitter is. Mm-hmm. It seems obvious, but clearly it's it's not. <laughs> so Corey calls Sean, tells him to call everyone they know because Jim Abbott's in their kitchen. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't have known who Jim Abbott was at the time, but still. I guess we could call this the education PSA episode just because they're like Jim Abbott is talking like, well, I had this teacher who told me I would never, I couldn't make it. But then he like gave me an application to the university of Michigan and like education is really important and you have to really work hard and learn so that you can be successful. So it really had that feel to it of like, this is our public service announcement, stay in school everybody i did find it yeah yeah it's true that he did it was very much the end of a gi joe episode <laughs> the more you know jim abbott was not a great actor but he's not an actor so i don't expect mm-hmm. him to be. himself it even says in the credits as himself yeah i did find it i guess the word is interesting but i did find it interesting that jim abbott pretty much tells him you know feeney's right get an education and i mean yeah that's the whole point of the episode um but i know baseball doesn't always work like that i don't know it's just a a, another side isn't presented Mm -hmm. of those kids who are 17 and go to the majors and make it big yeah it's definitely trying to get by one message that even if you want to be a famous baseball player do it this way Mm -hmm. i don't know that may not be a bad thing i just found it interesting and I guess statistically speaking, like most people that want to be a professional athlete aren't. Yeah, that's true don't, too. Don't 
like it's not saying don't have that be your dream but it's saying not like have a backup plan but like be smart about it yeah and i'm kind of verbally processing here why is he a giant why a giants player why not a phillies player i thought they were all about the phillies i thought that was the yankees oh maybe there's a new york yankees logo you're probably right you know it was on his wall that's the poster he took down in his room when he's like, I'm yeah. never going to be a baseball player. And like, he's a famous pitcher, pitcher. That those are people who throw. Yeah. <laughs> Man, if anyone likes sports in this podcast, they are, they've got their hand they head just, between their hands. Just, they just hate listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. He's a Yankee because the giants are definitely a football team. Yeah. The New York giants. Or at least Giants are the baseball team. I, when we say we don't sport guys, we are not kidding. I guess I sport maybe the tiniest bit more than chance because I know what the New York Yankees logo looks like. Yeah, but still, like, Corey's all about the Phillies. Why didn't his dad write to a Phillies player? Who, who knows? Maybe that's just like that was ABC's athlete in residence at that time. <laughs> you know, just a person that they kind of had on hand to do all their guest spots. Okay, yeah. I don't know if that's a real thing. I just remember that was a 30 Rock joke where they had their artist in residence who would be in all this stuff for them. For like six months at a time, they had a different artist in residence and it was a joke. I think it was Bon Jovi who was. And he was like in all these all these uh, different episodes of like, here he is in, I don't know, whatever NBC shows were at the time. But it was, it was pretty funny. I don't yeah. know. Um, Jim Abbott shows up. This is where I get my MVP for the episode. It's got to be Alan. It's yeah. got to be Alan MVP for me. He wrote 63 letters. He's telling his kids to pursue his dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an MVP, not just purely for comedic reasons. Yeah. Even though I do think he's pretty funny in both scenes. But I think, yeah, we just have really, like, we've had, what is this, nine episodes? And I feel like four of them have been really good Alan episodes. Mm-hmm. I think even in the last one where he's like really processing with Corey about like being a teacher and he's like, it's not just about being pals with your students. Like they need to see you as their teacher and like have respect for you. It's like kind of yeah. walking him through those things. Um, and then here is really like wanting to support his kid and say like, now my dream is to be the dad of a major league baseball player. And he's like, I'm going to support you in whatever it is you decide to do, which is really good. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Um, it's almost this is just a thought occurring to me now, so bear with me. It's almost as if Amy is the mom for Morgan and Eric, and Alan is the dad for Corey. <laughs> like, like n- not to say that they're not all parents, but like that's where the focuses seem to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are some moments with Corey and his mom, but not nearly the same level or amount as Corey and, and Alan. I think I think it'll definitely even out as the series goes. Mm-hmm. But Corey's had several big moments with his dad. Um, and Eric really hasn't had any, but he's had several big moments with his mom, and Corey hasn't really had any. Mm-hmm. It's true. So it's- I really like this scene. Um, I like the boys burst in the back door, which I still don't know where that door goes. Uh-huh. I have Why did they all come in there? No that? idea where that where that door leads or is from. I got nothing. Yeah, but it's just hilarious because Minkus runs in with the basketball, and then he's just like, "I appear to have brought the wrong ball." Uh, that would have been me and Cameron. Uh-huh. But I do have to say, if you had a basketball signed by a famous Major League Baseball pitcher, that's probably worth something. 
that's way more interesting than a signed baseball. Because in that room alone, there were probably 10 or more baseballs that would have been signed. But he's it's the only true. one basketball. <laughs> it, it, the novelty of it would be worth something. I don't know what Pawn Stars would offer you for it. Probably like best they could do is 10 bucks. But hey. I have not thought of the show Pawn Stars in decades. Okay, maybe a decade. Well, I'm glad I could provide that service for you. And then we get the ending scene with Feeney and Corey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty good wrap-up, just kind of recounting everything that we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Just like, I'm going to pursue my dream, but I'm going to also go to school. Mm-hmm. That maybe it's a good idea to go to school. I like that he's subtly dropping the, you know, my friend, Jim Abbott. Mm-hmm. I'm saying... I like that phrase. I think this is the second time in the episode where he says, I'm saying, like when someone's like, says something, he's like, I'm saying. And I, I think it's a good catchphrase. I don't think it ever was on for him. Yeah, they were on the, let's find Corey a catchphrase, like train. Yeah, they, they give up after a while. You know, there's just no like, how rude, or did I do that? Or I mean, I'm the baby, gotta love me. Nothing like that. No, I don't, they never, there's not really... I mean, saying Topanga's name in weird ways is mm-hmm. the closest thing we have to, like, a Boy Meets World catchphrase. Yeah, there isn't really one. But I do like, I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Topanga surprise and the the Feeny call later, mm-hmm. those both can become kind of a thing, but those aren't any one person's catchphrase. They're just things that happen. Mm-hmm. I guess Feeny call is Eric's thing. Yeah. But still... Yeah, and then we have the closing scene with Amy and Alan on the couch, kind of winding down the day. And I just have to say, why in the world, what kind of sociopath is Amy Matthews wearing her shoes at the end of the day, curled up on the couch? She has shoes on. Alan is like dressed down in like his undershirt with his socks and his jeans. But Amy's there dressed normal with her shoes on, curled up on the couch. That is disgusting. I didn't even notice. I agree with you. It is wrong. Of course, I'm not wearing my socks either if I'm inside. Yeah, me neither. But still. But it's more understandable than being curled up on the couch with shoes on. Mm-hmm. Gross. Terrible. <laughs> so that, I, just, um, I, I cannot believe it. I cannot tolerate it. Amy, whatever the opposite of an MVP is. LVP. That is Amy. Uh, you just became Cameron's least favorite character. For this is sad because you're a great <laughs> TV mom. Um yeah. um yeah and then the the i feel it was a really common uh kind of joke in the 90s or comedy bit of interrupting the parents it's intimacy is the punchline uh-huh which is basically all that the the tag at the end was yeah that kind and of we process. get that that classic bit um bringing back the camera so i guess he didn't break it at the beginning of the episode uh-huh. and yeah that's it that's the episode yeah. I feel like I have very little to say about this episode. Maybe we talked on it longer than I think we were. But I think it it had very similar themes to the other episode. Mm-hmm. So talking about them together, there was some overlap that we just didn't bring up. Um, but what would what title would you give it? I wrote down Boy Meets His Future. Yeah, I wrote Boy Meets the Future. So Boy Meets His Future. I like his future. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good title. It encompasses what Corey's doing now we all we all know he doesn't become a major league baseball player but it's about having the dream i think that's important yeah and like knowing i can pursue this dream but still be smart and like do what's good for the future no matter what happens yep 
Um, I, have we agreed Allen MVP? Is that mm-hmm. what you're thinking too? Yeah, our first non-comedic MVP. Definitely our first non-comedic MVP. But I just enjoyed Allen in every scene he was in this episode. Um, and then what's your rating? I'm going to give you the day seven and a half. Um, I gave it a seven. So Okay, 7.25. 7.25. So we've got an 8 and a 7.25, which are both going to be fairly highly bracketed. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're not going to be the top seeds, but... They're good middle. middle seed. Could be a Cinderella story in here. Yeah, who knows? Um, I could... If we were to pit them against each other right now, I'm picking Teacher's Bet. It's a better episode, mm-hmm. more powerful episode. Agreed. But yeah, that is the end of that. Um... I do want to do one thing um, for Boys Meet Audience this week. Um, A friend of ours from college has been watching the show. And Charlie, thank you so much for watching. He's He's the guy I said I know about baseball. (laughs) What would you say? I said he's he's the one I was thinking of when I said a listener knows about baseball. Oh, yeah. Charlie, tell us about baseball. I can tell us a little bit about hockey, but that's... Please teach us to baseball. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But Charlie answered our concert question. So we asked the question of what was your first uh, concert. I said Hanson. Cameron said some weird CCM. I said Coldplay on their show and then realized it was probably Reliant K. Oh, oh yeah, you did say that. I just saw that. I, I just looked at that tweet. I don't know that Reliant K isn't some weird Christian band, but you know. Uh, their mood wearing song is a dicey, dicey song, dicey song. Charlie said, I think my first real big boy concert um, without my parents or youth group was the Decemberists, Might be fun. which is a solid answer. I am not a huge fan of the Decemberists, but I'd go see them in concert. Sure. The crane looks good. And then my friend Katie said her first one was Justin Bieber. And then, Oof. I quote, oof. <laughs> so Katie, who I work with at one of my jobs, and Charlie have both answered that email. And those are good answers. I mean, He's Justin not- Bieber was big. He was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Baby, baby, baby. Yummy, yummy, yummy. When Justin Bieber was really big, Cameron and I were in college. And we had some friends in college who were obsessed with Justin Bieber, but he was still pretty young, and it always weirded me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just uncomfortable. Reliant K actually did a cover of his song, Baby. And it's actually pretty good. Oh, well, there you go. Go out. This isn't and, in it. Uh, rap part's not in there, which I think the song is worse off for it. But I think it's a good... It's, yeah, it's well, we definitely want your guys' opinions. We want to we wanna read them, whether it's opinions about the show, opinions about how we're doing. Um, I know this episode is a little weird. I feel kind of odd not being in the same room with you. Mm-hmm. I miss you. It's just been too long. Yeah, and I feel like we play better off of each other in the same room. Yeah. We're we're more about physical audio comedy. (laughs) But, so yeah, tell us what you think of the show, what you think about our show, answer today's questions. If you were to teach a class in sixth grade, which class you would want to teach, and what what you're coming to a class pre-union in sixth grade, we'd love to read those on the air tweet at us at bg world fever or email us at bg world fever at gmail.com mm-hmm. easy as that easy as that um 
we we want to thank you guys again. We've had so many more listeners than we than we really thought we would. Yeah. Um, we're not we're not gonna break the internet. We're not serial, but that's not why we made this. We made this to talk about something we love to put something out in the world together, and you guys are responding well, and that's just really cool to us. Mm-hmm. Shout out that I was very surprised looking at the downloads because it would tell you the countries where they were downloaded. So thank you, oh, Ireland. Cool. Thank you, Canada, Egypt. I think Australia. I just never would have. I never would have thought Canada, Egypt. Really? Yeah. Someone in Egypt has heard our voices. I, Maybe it's a VPN. It's got to be a VPN, right? I don't know. I can't imagine anyone outside of America. There were like m- multiple people in Ireland. It was like seven or eight. You know, here, this is just my theory. If you're on the UK Netflix with a VPN, you can watch Avatar The Last Airbender. Everyone wants to watch that Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm guessing it's Americans with a VPN. Hey, man. No, they're not going to have to do that soon because it's coming May, 5th, May 15th. Yeah. So um, we're going to transition from a Boy Meets World podcast to an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. Oh, definitely. Why wouldn't <laughs> Avatar, the James Cameron movie, nor The Last Airbender, the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Neither of those. We will not be watching Fern Gully 2 or That Abomination. (laughs) Fern Gully 2, Electric Boogaloo. Actually, I think there is a Fern Gully 2, like a literal Fern Gully 2. Oh. Does the human have a child with the fairy? Because I'd feel odd about that. Right, I'm not sure. I, I, I never saw it. Nor did I. I didn't know it existed until today. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe Ferngully is Dances with Wolves 2 and Avatar is Dances with Wolves 3. I don't know. But where does Pocahontas come in? Ooh, that's a good point. Excellent point. I don't know. Uh, we're just vamping now. Um, but yeah, we're really, we're really thankful for everyone who, uh, who's listening. Mm-hmm. Um, review us on iTunes. Um, say bad stuff about the audio because we still haven't gotten that right. But we really are working on it. Uh, We are just hobbyists. Mm -hmm. And yeah, tweet at us. We want to hear your thoughts, your opinions, anything. Yeah. All right. Well, Cameron, it's been great to see your face, even Mm -hmm. if it is on a tiny screen on my phone. It's cool. You're on a bigger screen on my computer. And it's a delight. Oh, excellent. Um, And I think that's all we've got for today. So uh, that we have been Boy Meets World Fever. I'm Chance. And I'm Cameron. So long, world. So long, world.